This is Gemaring Subis Daf Ayin Tes. So the learning for this month, the month of Elul, has been generously sponsored as an incredible schosili neshamah as the Rizal Basra Meir Mirtashem. The learning the entire Chabura should bring as the Rizal Basra Meir to an higher, higher place in Ganeiden Shel Meila. Apologies for the lateness of today's shear and an announcement going forth as we are approaching numerous yamtayim etc. We're going to try our best to get the shearim up in due time. So we're holding on the bottom of Ayin Chesim and base, and we begin today with a story. Hayit said there was a woman There was a woman who was married once. She was either divorced or her first husband was nifter. And what happened? She was getting remarried, but she, you know, had a wealthy land and whatnot, and therefore she did not want her future husband to potentially take her properties. So what did she do? excuse me. She wrote her properties to her daughter. Anisva, she got married to her new husband and she figured, okay, my new husband doesn't get these properties because I wrote them away, I gave them all to my daughter. But eventually, Garsha, she became divorced. And now the question was, she didn't really want to give it to her daughter. She only gave the properties to her daughter in order to not allow her new husband to get them. But now that she was divorced, she wanted to take the properties back from her daughter. So we turn over to today's Nafta, and the Gemara explains, So she came in front of Rav Nachman, asking Rav Nachman, what's the story over here? Kare Rav Nachman Rav Nachman went, and Rav Nachman ripped off the star believing her that she didn't really give it to her daughter, and she was able to get back her properties. Also, Ravanan, they came to Marokva. Ravanan went to Marokva. Amr leh, Chazimar Nachman, Chalakla, Hecha Mikari, Shtari, Dinshi. Do you see, Rav Nachman, that how he goes and he rips up people's documents, and he called him Nachman, Chakla, Nachman the farmer. How's he doing it? How could Rav Nachman destroy a star? This woman gave away the property to her daughter. Amar Lay Marukva responded, Emily, easy go for the Tell me the whole story, as is always so important whenever we're telling over a halacha, telling over something, we need to know everything. So Amar Lay, how it happens. Amar Lay, Rabbanan responded, this is the story. So Amar Lay, so Marukva responded, Shtar Mavrechaz Kamrit. Are you saying that the purpose of this document was to ensure that her husband would not get the properties. This is indeed what Rav Chanilai Baridi said to Shmuel. Said the name of Shmuel. I am a Meira. I'm able to pass in Alacha. And if you have a Shtar if such a situation would happen, that a Shtar Mavrachas, a Shtar in which someone is trying to avoid giving the property to a future husband and thereby wrote it away, but only wrote it away for that purpose. Akranu, I would as well rip it up as we believe that the only reason why they gave it away was in order to make sure that someone else would not get it, but it was not actually a true transfer to that person. So Amli Ravli Rav Nachman. So Rav says Rav Nachman, Wait, the reason that you believe a person when he says, I didn't really mean to give it to them, is because what? It's because a person doesn't really want to give away all his properties to someone else. But honey, perhaps it's only to someone else. But maybe in this case, it was giving to his daughter. 
So maybe to one's daughter, she actually does indeed want to give it away. But comments the Gemara, excuse me, Rav Nachman responded, It's true, one loves his daughter, but in the place of his daughter, he himself is even greater. And therefore says the Gemara, even if someone gives away properties to children, he still does not mean to necessarily give it to them. And rather, if the marriage does not work out, he wants you all to get back the land. Ask the Gemara one second, so it wants to ensure that the husband does not get properties. What does she do? What should she do? Comment the Gemara. You know what she should do? She should write a document of agreement to someone else who, and then all those other people acquire the land and then the husband does not get the property. Divrei Rashbag that is what Rosh Hashim Gamliel says. But do we want a letter? No, that does not work. Because if the recipient wants, the one who has received the document, in our example, the case of the daughter, if he wants, you know what he could do? He could go, he could go and write that the document is, is a gift. Meaning that I actually received this piece of land from today only, only when I want to give it. And then if the person wants to actually give it to someone else, it's not going to work it. So time of the Kaslaachi. So says the Gemara. Excuse me. Let, let, let me explain that. Let me explain that a little better. That the Gemara is saying that if someone wants to give away properties, but not really give it away, like in our scenario, I, I said the case incorrectly. For example, the mother, she wants to give away the property, but she doesn't want the husband to get it, but she doesn't really want to give it to his daughter. The bright, her daughter, the Bryce explains the way to do it is to write a star pasim and to explain that what she's doing is, I'm only giving it to you, as long as they want. So now the Gemara is medayik and the Gemara explains based on this Raisa, time of the Kasleyachi. Seems that the only reason why it works is because he wrote it as follows. But if one does not write that lashon, if someone does not actually explain that they're only giving you lechsheretzah, sounds like the lokeach, the purchaser gets it. So in our case, when he wrote a proper and full document, it would seem that the daughter should be in full possession. When do we say that it does not work? is when someone writes all of the property. That is a clear case when he does not want to give it away. So since it's clear he doesn't want to give it away, then it's going to work regardless if he wrote this interesting wording or not. Only as long as they want. But in a case you only give away part of the property, then the only way it's going to work is if you wrote these words. Says the Gemara, one second, but one second, but if the Lekeach is not being kind, back into our case. If the daughter doesn't actually get the property, then who should get it? The husband should get it. So Amar no. So I'm believe the Rav Shimon, like we saw in the previous Mishnah, that we make this case as if it's a case of properties that the husband does not know about. And we're going with the opinion of Rav Shimon, that if she sells, sells such a property, then the sale is indeed valid. And that's going to be the way to write it over.
Now we continue um, with the new Mishnah. Says the Mishnah. Naflu lak safim. If properties fall to Anisha, yilakech v'hem karka. What does she do? If, excuse me, not properties. If money falls to a woman. A woman is married. And what happens? She inherits. She inherits cash. What do we do with that cash? And the basic idea that we have to know before the Mishnah over here is anything, whatever a woman has, her husband has. But of course, if he's learned many times, and the basic idea of this Mishnah, without making things confusing, is that we're talking about a case where she inherits cash, which is called Nechsei Malug, which the Allah of Nechsei Malug is that the husband gets the usage of the item, and the woman retains the item itself. So the husband is going to inherit the action, no, excuse me, the husband is going to be allowed to use the item, whereas the woman has the ability to retain the actual item, which means in the case of divorce or death, the woman gets back the actual item itself. So the husband gets the usage and the woman gets the item. The problem over here is, what do we do in a case of ksafim, in the case of cash? Because in the case of cash, if the husband utilizes and uses the cash, then there's nothing left for the woman. There's no two entities. As we'll see in a moment, when you have a piece of karka, a piece of land, there's the karka, the land itself, then there's the payrois, the fruit that which the land produces. So in that case, it's very simple. The husband gets the usage of the fruit, and the karen, the karka, the principle is always retained. But what do we do in a scenario in which all that there is, is ksafim, is cash? What do we do? Because if the woman, if the husband goes and utilizes the money, there's nothing left for the woman. So explains the Mishnah, and hopefully with that, things should go simply. What we do is, we tell the husband, or we go and we buy land with that cash, and then now that there's land, and then the husband consumes the produce, and the wife will retain the actual land itself in the event of death or divorce. Similarly, continues the Mishnah. What is the halacha? If there are payrois that are detached from the land, the same thing, if the husband uses those, then what happens? Then there's nothing left. So you look, and the husband eats the produce. Payrois amuchubar in the karka. But if it's payroids that are attached to the ground, then says the Mishnah, We evaluate how much it's worth with fruit, and how much is the land worth without the fruit. And with the excess, and with the excess, then what happens is we buy land, the husband eats the produce, that which the land produces, and the woman retains the rights to the land itself. That is the cheat of Rameir. That which is attached to the land. That which is attached to the land. That is the husband's, that is considered the payers, that is considered the produce. That which is detached is hers. And with that which is detached, still, everything we have to split. So we buy land with that. And and the woman retains the karka itself. Rev Shimon Says Rav Shimon, concluding the Mishnah, 
In a scenario where the husband has the upper hand when he goes into the marriage, he has a lower hand at divorce. And so to an opposite, in a case in which he has the lower hand when he gets married, he gets the upper hand when he gets divorced. Says the Mishnah, what is a case like this? Says Rav Shimon, in the case of fruit which is attached to the land, that when they get married, he gets it. So when they get divorced, she gets it. So he had the upper hand at the entrance to the marriage. He has the lower hand at the divorce. When they get married, it is hers. And when they get divorced, So the, the basic idea, again, of the Mishnah is that every item that a woman is going to inherit, the husband has to have the usage of that item. So explains the Gemara, Pshita, in the scenario in which a woman inherits cash, and you're taking that cash to do what with? To purchase land with it so that the husband gets the produce and the woman gets the principal. In a case in which we have a debate, what should we buy with this cash? The husband and wife are in disagreement. Should we buy land or should we buy a house? Which one? Seemingly, they're both entities that have a car and that have the item itself. And have payrus and that which item produces. Says the Gemara, Karka, Ara. You should buy land because that's a more secure purchase. Pati Vidikli. If the debate between them was whether you should buy a house or whether you should buy <coughs> palm trees. Pati, Pati is more secure. Dikli Vilani. There's two types of trees, palm trees or other types of trees. Dikli, those are the most stable trees. Ilani Vigofni. It's if it's a question of trees or grapevines, Ilani are better. If we have a debate whether an abo refers to a forest, zardasa, or of a certain type of zardasa trees, which the fruit that it produces is of inferior quality, or upeir de kavra, or it's referring to a fish pond, which one do they purchase with their cash? So says the Gemara, Amrla of Amrla Karna. It's Some say that these, excuse me, not which one do we purchase? Incorrect. What's going on over here is the woman inherited either an Abba Zardasa or a Peir de Kavra. She inherited a forest of trees or a fish pond. <coughs> what is this inheritance? Is this called cash or is this called Karen? Karka. So says the Gemara, some say this is called and referred to as Peirus and some say it's referred to as Karen. Klala de Milsa. What is the general rule? Anything that item regenerates itself. That's called payrus, that's called produce. But anything that the item itself is used up, that is called karen. Says the Gemara, Amar Rav Zira, two lines to the bottom, Rav Oshem, Rav Yanai, Vermel Amar Rav Abba, Rav Oshem, Rav Yanai, Ha-Goynev. And we turn over to Ayin Tassim and Bey, says the Gemara, Ha-Goynev, Vlad Behemas, Milok. If someone steals a offspring, a Vlad, a child of a Behemas Milok, Behemoth's Malug, that's the same case we're discussing. Not that the woman inherited cash, but that the woman inherited an animal. And so that animal gives birth, and someone steals that animal. So it's the offspring, the child of the animal of the woman, of this Nechsei Malug. Says the Gemara, Mishal and Tashlumi, Kefel. So we know that Allah is anytime you sell something, you have to pay double to Kefel. But who do you pay it to? Says the Raisa Isha. You pay it to the woman, and Rashi points out, and not to the husband. 
So what do we seemingly see? We seemingly see that the animal, that the, the child that is produced from the animal, the offspring, is not considered peiros, it's not considered something that is produced, but rather it's considered the karen. Because we know, as we've been explaining the whole time, what does the woman get? The woman gets the karen, and her husband gets the peiros, the produce. So if the Bryce is teaching me that if this offspring, if this Vlad, if this child of the animal is stolen and the kefal, the double payment has to go to the woman, seemingly that means that what is this animal considered? It's considered a karen. It's considered principal. And the principal is always owned by the woman. But explains the Gemara two lines down and I tells him, that's a problem. Because Keman, like your Rabbanim, like your Hanan, you fit neither opinion. You tell you learned in a Bryce. Vlad be'imaz v'log lebal, says the Bryce. The child of the animal that was inherited by a woman goes to the husband. But a child of a maid servant of Mulug will go to the woman. And he says that they both go to the husband. So we see either the everything is the husband's or at least the first Manda Amar agrees that the Vlad of a Behema is going to go to the husband. So no one is saying that the offspring of an animal in which the woman inherits goes to the woman. So why in this brisa do we quote, do we say that, as a din of Ke- that the din of Kefel will be paid to the woman, seemingly showing us that the animal has a din of a Karen? Explains the Gemara four lines down, I can explain really according to everyone. What was the Takana de Rabbanon that the husband gets? The Peirois, the fruit. So the Vlad, the child of the animal, is what is called Peirais. It's called an offspring, literally. So that itself goes to the husband. But if that animal is stolen, and what's being paid back, the Kefel, the Kefel is what? That's as if that which the animal produced. So it's not the Peirais of the Nechsei Malog. It's not the offspring. It's the offspring's offspring. If that which the offspring produces. Because this animal was stolen and now it's producing, so to say, Kefel. Because this is the double payment off of that animal. So the Peira de Peira. That is no Takanadi Rabbanon that goes to the husband. So again, the whole reason why the husband gets the Peirais is the Takanadi Rabbanon. But explains the Gemara that's only on the offspring itself, but not on that which the offspring produces. So says the Gemara Bishlam Lechananya, according to Chananya, Ainugul Chashin Lamisa, says the Gemara, according to the Chananya, who says that there's no difference between a Shifcha's child, a maidservant's child, and there's no difference in an animal's child. Why is there no difference? Because Chananya is not concerned. That maybe the mother is going to die and leave nothing over to the woman, and therefore we have to consider it Karen. And therefore, we could say that the mother is the Karen while the child is the produce. The Rabbana on the first time on this Brisa said something interesting. It split up the child of the Behema to the child of the Shifcha. Says the Gemara, I don't understand what is that differentiation. If the reason we split it up is because we want the woman to retain something, we're afraid it's going to die. Says the Gemara, we can't understand the opinion of the Tanakama of the Rabbanan. So the Gemara answers, 
Ten lines down, the first one line is Malog. No, really, we are concerned that they might die. But even if the behemoth dies, so what's the concern? That the woman's going to be left with nothing. And we know that we always need to have, which was the basic tenet principle of our Mishnah, is that there always has to be something left for the woman. Says the Gemara, there is. Because when it comes to an animal, there's always the hide. And therefore the Karen is never going to be completely lost. And now the Gemara Paskins, still, agrees that in the case of divorce, the woman is able to get the children back. The children of the Shevcha. Why? Because because this is the assets of her father's family. This is like chashif to her. And we don't want to make her lose everything. So it's true that it's really the husband's, but she's able to pay and get it back. And part of the Tekanah Derabanan builds in this detail that she can pay and get it back. What is Allah says, Rabbi, the name of Nachman, if a woman brings into a marriage a goat for its milk or a sheep for its shearings, or a hen for its eggs, or a palm tree for its produce, says, Rabbi, the name of Nachman, the husband is able to eat and consume the produce until the entire item is concerned, is consumed, not concerned. And there's no concern that the woman will be left with nothing. Similarly, Amr Nachman, Similarly, says Rav Nachman, if she brings in a shirt, a cloak, a coat, she, he, the husband, is allowed to use it until it is completely used up. So says the Gemara, the Stin of Rav Nachman, Kimat, who is this going like? Like the following price, if you have salt or if you have items that are used for a dye, these considered produce, these are considered pay rights that the husband gets to use. Or if we have the sulfur, or, excuse me, the first two cases were salt and sand. The next two cases are sulfur or things for dyes. And of those two items, it will be a machlekes. We continue by quoting the din of the Mishnah, that Rav Shimon, Aymer says Rav Shimon, where the husband has the lower hand at the entrance of the marriage, he has upper hand at the divorce, and vice versa. Ask the Gemara, Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon seemingly is just repeating that which the Rabban and the Tanikama said, so what is Rav Shimon's necessity to say this in the Mishnah for? No, there is a practical difference in the produce that is attached at the time that they leave the marriage, the time of divorce. The Rabbanan did not talk about this case, so they're going to say, no, this still belongs to the husband. Whereas according to Rav Shimon, in which he says, all depends on if you came into the marriage, the husband had the upper hand, and now he's going to have the lower hand. It's getting late, but let's at least learn one more Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, continuing the theme of items that fall to a woman, as Yerusha, when she is married, if she inherits slaves or maidservants, the Kainim, if they are old, then Yemachru, you sell them because they're not able to produce anymore. You buy the land, the husband eats the fruit. You don't sell them. Why? Because these are the praise of the father's household, that this is something that they hold dear to them, and therefore the slaves and the maidservants, 
Therefore, you don't want to sell it. You want to retain the karen for the woman. But continues the Mishnah of old olives or grapevines were inherited by her. Again, says the Tanakami, but here, Rabbi Yehudah, not Rashbag, like the Tiflin Neshev Abay Safiyah. So the same Achleikas, that do we view items as being something chashev to the family, the ancestral families, and therefore we don't want her to sell it because we want there to be something left of the actual Karen of the item itself, so that she could eventually have that. Says the Gemara, and with this we're going to conclude, Amr Avka'ana, Maram Achleikas, Shlafel Ubesad Shalah. The Machleikas in the Mishnah is, at the end of the Mishnah, by the olive trees and the green vines, is where she inherits it in her field. And therefore, because they're part of her paternal, uh, ancestral family plot, that's why Ravita says, then no, she doesn't have to sell them. But if she inherited them, not in a field that's hers, Tim and says she has to sell them. Because the principle is going to be consumed if you use it up. And we don't have the concern because these are not a high yield produce. Because we don't have the concern that this being something chashev to the family, we say they have to sell it and buy land. understand? You forgot the first part of the Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah says items which are nothing to do with being inherited in their field. Do pelikim? We see this in machlekes. Eli yitzmar achi yitzmar amar avkana amar machlekes b'sadashenu shalah. The opposite, we flip the coin. If it's something that falls into her actual field, and I call it in Timkar, then she's not able to sell it because that's considered. So if it falls specifically into her field, that's when she can't sell it. But in other cases, will be the Machlegis and the Mishnah. <clears throat> we'll pick it up for the next Mishnah.